I was studying this week about an individual by the name of Isaac Watts. Does that name mean anything to anybody? Isaac Watts lived in the 17th century, early 18th century. He was English, and uh, he's a very interesting person because Isaac Watts was labeled by the government as a nonconformist. How many of you would like to be labeled by your government as a nonconformist? What this means is Isaac Watts, although he was a devout Christian man, a follower of Jesus, he refused to pledge allegiance to the Church of England. And in those days, you could not be a citizen of England with full rights unless you pledged your allegiance not just to Jesus, but to the Church of England. And Isaac Watts, along with Quakers and some other uh, other people that just felt like that was wrong to pledge your allegiance spiritually to a government, uh, he was labeled as a nonconformist. And so when it came time for him to go to university, he couldn't go to Cambridge, he couldn't go to Princeton. Princeton? Is that British? Oxford, that's what I meant. Thank you. I am obviously not a British loyalist either. Anyway, he was not able to go to those prestigious English schools and, and, and nonetheless, he, he went to college and be, he became a scholar. But what is interesting and what is most significant about Isaac Watts' life is that he became a revolutionary in the singing culture of the church that lasts to this day. In his day, when, when churches would gather for worship, they sang psalms. And they would sing the Psalms just as they were written in the Old Testament. But Isaac Watts, as a follower of Jesus, felt like instead of just singing the Psalms, which, were, which are strongly rooted in Old Testament, Old Covenant theology, he believed that we should be singing songs that glorified and uplifted Christ. But he loved the Psalms. And so what he did is he brought the, the prophetic parts of the Psalms and, and in his hymn writing, he, he would bring Jesus into these songs, and he wrote more than 750 hymns, okay? Some of them you will remember. Uh, one of his most favorite, famous ones is, When I survey the one... Oh, you do know that one. Okay, yeah. Uh, I haven't sung that for a long time, but that's one of his... One of my favorites. And the one that probably everybody in the room knows is, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. He wrote that song, listen, in 1719. We have been singing Joy to the World for 304 years. Do you think Isaac Watts had a legacy? He absolutely did. But here's what's interesting. I wonder if when Isaac Watts got this label from his government as a nonconformist, if it didn't make him a little grumpy. I don't know. There's no historical evidence for that. I've just been thinking about that. And yet he wrote, joy to the world, the Lord has come. If you're joining us this morning for the first time or if you're back after being away for a while, we are in the middle of our Christmas teaching series that we're calling just simply Hallelujah and in this series, we've been, uh, we've been talking through a bunch of the songs of the Bible. And of course, we're pushing to Christmas Eve. This is all going to culminate next Sunday at 5 p.m. You're all going to remember not to come to church at 10, right? right. Next week, 5 p.m. Uh, 
but, but we've, been, we've been talking through the songs of the Bible, and in so doing, we found that a lot of the songs in the Old Testament are rooted in some of the Hebrew words for praise. In fact, the word hallelujah, I've shared this with you in the past weeks, the, the word hallelujah has its root word halal, which means to sing and boast and celebrate and to be clamorously foolish. Did you know you can be foolish and praise the Lord? You're all so dignified this morning. <laughs> Somebody do something clamorously foolish. Come on. Just, there you go. Okay. God is glorified in that. Uh, last week, I shared with you a Hebrew word, yada. You remember yada means to lift the hands or even to literally throw praise to the Lord. Yada. Everybody say yada. yada. This week, I'm going to be talking about zamar. Okay. There's a nice rolled R. Can you roll your R's? Zamar, you got it? Zamar. And this Hebrew word means to sing joyfully. Ready? Oh, nice. What I discovered this week, everybody, is that Isaac Watts' song, Joy to the World, is actually written from Psalm 98. And, and it uses this Hebrew word, zamar which means to sing joyfully. So if you've got a device or if you've got a physical Bible, I want to invite you this morning to turn to Psalm 98. We're going to be talking through that and, and jumping around in other parts of the Bible. Um, and we're going to sing joy to the world together. I hope you'll sing it joyfully with your very best zamar. But first, here's what I want to declare to you today. This Christmas, I am choosing to sing joyfully. This Christmas, I am choosing to sing for joy. And I want to invite you to sing along with me. And, and here's what, what we need to know about joy. Joy is different from happiness. There's a reason that I'm going to sing joy to the world today instead of don't worry, be happy. Okay, because don't worry, be happy is pretty dependent on your circumstances. Would you agree with me? I am not happy if things are difficult in my life. But joy is different because joy is rooted in choice. And joy is something that you can have and you can live in whether your life is easy and happy or if it's difficult and a struggle fest. You can choose to sing for joy, even if life is hard. Uh, we, were, we were coming back from, from praying together, and we were walking down the hall, and, and I remembered that we are right around the corner from the celebration of Festivus and the traditional airing of grievances. Okay, so there's only four Seinfeld watchers in the room. Evidently, this is falling flat. Okay. Okay. Uh, Festivus celebrates the airing of grievances. There's no joy in the airing of grievances. But there's great joy when I choose to celebrate and I choose to sing regardless of how I feel. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. The reality is, for most of us, life is hard. I don't feel happy every day. And the last thing I want to do when there's a struggle is to sing. 
And so you might be asking the question this morning, why should I sing for joy? And using Isaac Watts's song, Joy to the World, as, as inspiration and Psalm 98 as a thrust for us, I want to give you four reasons why we can sing for joy, and we're going to do it today. Here's the first reason I believe we can choose to sing for joy. I sing for joy because Jesus is my king. I sing for joy because Jesus is my king. Everybody say, my king. Not just the king. He's my king. Come on, sing with me. Do your very best. Zamar. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. That was awesome, Zeke. That was Zamar right here. I have a surprise for you. Did you know that Joy to the World is not a Christmas song? Vern knew. Joy to the World is not a Christmas song. Joy to the World, as Isaac Watts imagined it, is a song about the second coming of Christ. And of course, if you've grown up in a, in a, in a tradition of celebrating Advent, you know that the whole Advent tradition is celebrating not just Jesus coming 2,000 years ago, but looking forward to the second coming of Christ. So I think this is probably why joy to the world has entered into our Christmas traditions. But when, when we say that I sing for joy because Jesus is my king, it's an acknowledgement that Jesus is the king of kings who is coming again to rule and reign over everything. And it's good. Here's how Psalm 98 puts it. I love this. It's up on the screen, and maybe you've got your Bible open. The psalmist writes, Shout joyfully to Yahweh, all the earth. Be cheerful and sing for joy and sing praises. The Hebrew word there is that zamar. Sing praises to Yahweh with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Shout joyfully before the king, Yahweh. Jesus is the king. And of course, this time of year when we're looking back at the Christmas story and we're thinking about all those beautiful traditions from, from the Gospels, you, you have to remember the wise men, right? The wise men in Matthew chapter 2 says that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, it's interesting, in the days of Herod the king, Magi, or wise men from the east, arrived in Jerusalem, and they were asking, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. You see, the wise men, and I don't have time to go into all of this today, but I've taught about it in the past. These wise men, the Magi, were coming from probably the Babylonian era, area. They had been studying for centuries the prophecies about the Messiah, and they knew that when the star appeared, it was a sign that the king of kings had been born. And they came, why? They came to worship the king. We're invited today to sing joyfully because Jesus 
is not just the king, but my king. And I think it's significant that the wise men chose to worship Jesus as their king. You know, you and I have lots of choices when it comes to kings. Have you thought about this ever? Lots of, lots of king choices in our life. Self really loves to be king. Anybody know that to be true? Okay. Self is a terrible king. I'll just tell you that. Self is a despotic king, cruel king, an indulgent king. Uh, money loves to be king. Wow, what a taskmaster that king is. Caesar loves to be king. I'm not going to make any political statements today. But Caesar wants to be king. Caesar has always wanted to be king. And Caesar has always been an inadequate king. The one king that you can really trust is King Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? Hebrews 12, 2 says, Jesus, for the joy set before him. Look at this. I, I mean, in terms of joy. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and Jesus has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Revelation says that when Jesus comes again, he's going to have written on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. And Jesus is going to reign. We're going to get into that a little bit more. But I, I, I want to ask you the question, have you made Jesus your king? Or is there, or is there something, somebody else? that is ruling your life. I want you to know that you are going to find a place of joy and a place of freedom and a, 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 a place of peace if Jesus is your king and you choose to sing for joy to him. That's one of the reasons I sing for joy. Here's the second reason I sing for joy. I sing for joy because this is my identity. Now, most of you know that I love to sing. I'm a singer, I'm a musician, I play piano. So, so singing comes naturally to me, but I want to suggest to you that singing joyfully is an identity that God has placed in every one of you, whether or not you are pitch optional. <laughs> singing joyfully is your identity. It's been innately created in who you are. Here's the second verse of Joy to the World. Sing with me. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs and women too. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Now again, Isaac Watts took this verse right from Psalm 98. Here's what we read. Psalm 98 says, May the sea roar and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it, may the rivers clap their hands and may the mountains sing together for joy. Do you know that Everything God made emits sound. 
Do you know that even in the most solid, I'm just grabbing this because it's solid. Do you know that even in things that are hard as rocks, solid things, do you know there are vibrations happening in the very atoms of this Kleenex box? And those atoms are vibrating in a way that our ears can't hear, but they're emitting sound. And what the scriptures are suggesting is that the sound that is coming from this Kleenex box is praise to God along with the rocks and the hills and the stars and everything else, we are created. Everything that God created is vibrating with praise with God, and we are invited to zamar, sing for joy. Isaiah 55 says, The mountains and the hills will burst into song, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. It's so similar to Psalm 98. And I love this from Job. Job said, how was earth's foundation poured? And who set the cornerstone when the morning stars sang in chorus and all the angels shouted praise? Do you know that everything is emitting songs of praise? Listen. to join with all creation. How could I stay silent when all of creation is praising God with sound? Do you know what the benefits are of singing joyfully? I just did a quick search for this question. When you sing joyfully, there's a release of endorphins in your brain Dopamine and oxytocin are released. What does that do for you? Makes you feel good, okay? Singing for joy can actually change the way you feel. Singing reduces stress and anxiety. Singing increases social bonding, okay? I saw this very vividly a couple of months ago. Chris and I and our friends Bob and Jean from Great Falls went to see, who was it, Chris? Foreigner? some 70s band that I don't really care about, but we went. And um, I, I broke my wife's heart there and probably alienated half of you. Okay, I apologize. Um, anyway, we're, we're, we're at the Brick Breeden Field House, 
and everybody is on their feet singing these songs as loud as they can, and everybody's looking around, and we're high-fiving, and we're singing. I mean, I wasn't because I didn't really know the songs, but my wife was singing <laughs> as loud as she... Because when, when I was growing up in the 70s, this was like devil music, so um, I never learned those songs. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. I got to stop. Anyway... There's this social cohesion that happens that's good for us when we sing together. Do you get the point that I'm making? And we do it instinctively. We go to concerts. We go to ball games. We sing the Star Spangled Banner. We sing, and it brings us together. There's something good about singing together. This is why we sing in church, because we're a family. And singing brings us together. It, it's what God created. Singing aids in memory retention. Singing actually combats dementia. Do you know that singing will bring back memories that you, you didn't remember? And, and you've all had this experience where a song comes on the radio and you know every word even though you haven't heard that song for 15 years, right? That's the power of singing. When you sing, there's a muscle activation that changes your posture. We sit up straighter when we sing. And singing controls your breathing and it has benefits for relaxation and stress management. And you know what? Buddy the Elf was right. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing loudly for all to hear. Buddy the Elf is in the Bible. Just kidding. But it's a biblical concept. But one of the reasons I sing for joy is because this is what I was created for. This is my identity. And can I invite you to make it your identity too? We sing. Um, this last Thursday night, we had our choir rehearsal. And when we were all done, we walked out into the foyer out there. And Pam, you were standing out there. And um, Pam was standing there with tears in her eyes. And she said, this is the first Christmas I get to sing in a choir with all three of my children. Aww. There's goodness in this singing together. And it's how God created us. So come on, sing loudly. Zamar. Here's the third reason that I sing for joy. I sing for joy because I have been set free. Anybody relate to that? Yes. Who's been set free in this room? Hallelujah. I sing for joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. Now, it's interesting. This verse is not found in Psalm 98, but Isaac Watts threw this verse in here because it relates to why we sing for joy. Here's what we read in Galatians chapter 3. Listen to this. Somebody needs to hear this. Listen. Christ redeemed us. From that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you understand this is what Jesus did? Do you remember the scripture that says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree? That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse 
and at the same time completely dissolved the curse. Listen, if you haven't been set free yet, I want you to know this is one of the messages of of Christmas, is that the curse has been dissolved by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. This is why we sing for joy at Christmas, is we have been set free. Jesus put it this way. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You know, when you come to Jesus, there's something supernatural that happens inside of you. He changes you from the inside out. It's like you get a complete do-over. Born again is not just a, a Christian buzz phrase. This is a description of what happens when you experience new life in Jesus. It's new life. You start again. He sets you free from all of that crap that has kept you enslaved for so many years. No more. Let sins and sorrows grow, or thorns infest my spirit. He's set me free. And you know what? This isn't just about getting saved and going to heaven. This is an ongoing thing that happens in our lives as we walk with Jesus. I want to tell you a personal story, and I've, I've waited a while to tell you this story, and I, and I feel like this is the, the right time to share this with my church family today. Um, most of you know that I have struggled my whole life with my weight. And I have yo-yoed up and down and up and down and up and down, and I've been on every diet there. Well, probably not every diet, but I've tried a lot of them. And I'll lose weight, and then I'll gain it back, and I'll lose weight, and I'll gain it back. And somewhere around, I don't know, 2000 or 2000, 2018 or 2019, is when we were putting this building up. It was a stressful time. I... I kind of made up my mind, I just don't care anymore. And uh, I was just eating whatever I wanted to eat, whenever I wanted to eat, uh, mostly when nobody was watching, because there was a lot of shame involved with all of that eating. And uh, I gained a lot of weight. And uh, a couple of years ago, my doctor sat me down and had me, uh, had a very stern talk with me. And he said, Russ, Uh, You don't have liver disease yet, but he said, your liver is angry. And it's not because I'm a big drinker or anything. It's because I am just eating all kinds of garbage all the time. And uh, it wasn't long after that that Chris and Nikki, my wife and my daughter who live with me, they decided they wanted to lose some weight, so they went on Weight Watchers. And I was in this place in my life where... Every time somebody would address my weight or would even address their own weight, it would make me angry. And so I would begin to eat everything I could get my hands on really as an act of rebellion. Have you ever been there? Maybe not with eating, but anything else. Somebody talks to you, your doctor talks to you, says you got to quit this thing. Just makes you mad and makes you do it all the more. And I was spiraling, guys. I was spiraling. Some of you talked to me about the bubble that I was carrying around. And I I, I appreciate your prayers so much. Anyway, I didn't have a plan. In January of this year, Nikki and and Chris, again, decided we're going to do something, we're going to lose weight, it made me mad, and I went into this big spiral. And then the middle of February of this year, 
I woke up from a dream one morning. And, and in, as, I, as I was coming out of my dream, I heard the Lord begin to speak to me. And, and I, I say this, I, I, I don't say this lightly. I don't say God spoke to me unless I know for certain that God spoke. This is one of the times in my life where God spoke to me and I knew it. And as I was waking up, God said to me, I want you to go on Weight Watchers with Chris, your wife. Those were his words. I want you to go on Weight Watchers with Chris. Now that week we were going on a trip to southern Idaho. We were going to see Chris's family and, and, um, and I had, had all these hours in the car with my wife. I didn't tell her what God said to me. And that whole week of spending time with family, I just ate whatever I wanted to. But the whole time in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm thinking, God spoke to me. God spoke to me. What am I going to do with this God spoke to me thing? And we got home from that trip. And the next day, I said to Chris, God told me I need to join Weight Watchers with you. And I'm going to do it. And it was a Monday. I met with our prayer team that Monday, and I told our prayer team members, this is what God said to me. I asked them to pray for me. And they began praying for me every single week. They would pray for me and, and holding me up. I shared it with our staff team, asked them to pray for me. I, I knew God had spoken to me. And listen, when God speaks to me, I know I have to obey. I mean, I took a week to ponder it in my heart and try to make up my mind about it. <laughs> But I, I knew God was speaking to me. So that day, I joined the Weight Watchers program. And it's not the only thing that works. I'm just telling you what God said for me to do. This is not anybody else's story. This is just my story. You, you know what I'm saying? And so I joined Weight Watchers. And when I did, I had this experience in which I felt like a spirit of rebellion was lifted off of me. Now, I want to be really clear. I don't believe Christians can be demon-possessed. But I have enough experience with spiritual warfare and ministry around people who struggle with demons. I know that Christians, even pastors, can be harassed by demons. Okay? And, and there was a spirit of rebellion that I had been carrying around and submitting to for years that lifted off of me when I said yes to God. It was like being born again, again. And there was something that shifted in my spirit. There was something that shifted in my mind. And instead of looking for every opportunity to indulge my cravings, instead I looked for every opportunity to be obedient to the Lord. And it happened without me doing anything. It happened because the Lord spoke to me and he changed my heart. Do you hear what I'm saying? It was a miracle for me. And the reason it's taken me 11 months to share this with you is because I want to make sure it's going to stick. Because by telling you that this is happening in my life, I can't go back. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Going back isn't an option for me anymore. Now that I've put it out there, and all of you in Facebook land, you're going to hear it too. I can't go backwards. And, and, and listen, it's, it's been different because in the past when I was on a weight loss program, 
you know, I'd, I'd go great guns for a couple of weeks and then I'd have a hard day and I would go buy a box of cookies and I'd eat them all and then put the box in the dumpster so nobody would see it, you know, I'd, and I have not done that once in 11 months because the Lord has changed my heart. And, and sometimes, sometimes, I have to, sometimes I have to struggle through it, okay? Uh, we had a Christmas party this week uh, with, our, with our team leads, and, and we bought a bunch of Costco food, and we bought one of those tuxedo cakes. Have you had the Costco tuxedo cake? Oh, my gosh. And we brought half of that tuxedo cake home, and we put it in the garage refrigerator, which is a smart strategy because I don't see it, okay? But yesterday, I went out to get some eggs out of the garage refrigerator, and there's that tuxedo cake. And I'm looking at things like flashing at me. Eat me, eat me, eat me. And we were having friends over for dinner last night, and I knew we were going to have this beautiful dinner, and we were going to have dessert, and I knew that tuxedo cake didn't fit into my plan for yesterday, but, but all afternoon, it just kept saying, eat me, eat me, eat me. And in that moment, I had to say, I don't carry the spirit of rebellion anymore. I carry the spirit of obedience. The Lord has changed my heart. And there's hard days and there's easy days. But my point is, this, this is my point. I sing for joy because Jesus set me free. Yes. I'm not in bondage anymore. And it didn't happen because I, 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 there's so much I could say and I don't have time to go into this with much more detail, but it's not because I prayed through. Do you remember, those of you that grew up in spiritual environments like me, you remember when we would pray through and you just rolled around on the floor begging God to do something for you, and then you got mad at him when you didn't get what you wanted. I didn't pray through. But I've made it a habit of positioning myself to hear from God every day. And when God speaks, he changes everything. And part of it is he sets you free. We're going to pray for you today. Somebody here needs to be set free. And I, I felt like today was the day for me to share this with you. Because wouldn't it be awesome if somebody got set free Christmas 2023? I'm a poet and didn't even know it. This is not to brag except to brag on the Lord. I have lost 77 pounds. But it's the Lord. It's the Lord. Okay, here's number, number four. Number four, I sing for joy because I have hope for the future. This is probably the most important one, friends. I sing for joy because I have hope for the future. I mentioned to you earlier that, um, I mentioned to you earlier that uh, joy to the world wasn't 
written as a Christmas song. It's a song about the second coming of Christ. And we don't talk about the second coming of Christ all that often anymore, maybe because those of us that grew up that the rapture was going to happen tomorrow, yeah. right? Maybe we've gotten a little jaded and a little cynical, but I think some of us need to remember Jesus is coming and it's what our hope is anchored in. And this is why we sing is because he is coming again. Here's the fourth verse. You ready to sing for joy? Man, correct your posture. Sing with me. Come on, this is the best one. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Friday night, Chris and I were given tickets to the symphony at the Wilson Auditorium. How many of you have been to the symphony, the Christmas Spectacular? Holy smokes, we saw a bunch of you down there. The program ended with a Christmas sing-along, and we sang Deck the Halls and Jingle Bells and all those songs, and then we got to Joy to the World. And the whole, the whole city of Bozeman was singing Joy to the World. And I was thinking about Jesus' coming to rule the world with truth and grace. Truth and grace. And I got so teary I couldn't sing anymore. So I just listened to everybody around me singing, He rules the world with truth and grace. Mm. This is the power of a well-written Christmas song. Christian song. Psalm 98. Millennia ago, we were invited to sing a new song to the Lord. For he has done wonderful things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory for him. The Lord has made his salvation known. Everybody say salvation. salvation. That's Jesus. That word is, do you remember? Yeshua, the name of Jesus. He has made Yeshua known. Lost my place. He's revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his graciousness and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the Yeshua of our God, the salvation of our God. And then this psalm ends with this, verse 9. Sing before the Lord, zamar before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with fairness. Now, that's a verse that we don't like very well because we don't like judging. We don't like to be judged. We associate it with rejection. When the Old Testament talks about judging, do you know what it means? I've talked about this before. It means God is going to set everything right. God is going to set everything in order. God is going to set everything as it should be. And I think this verse is powerful because it says he's going to judge the world with righteousness. That's another difficult word because we think of that as being like some kind of super holy thing. It just means he's going to judge the world in the right way. You can trust him to be a right judge. Do you hear me? 
And it says he's going to judge the peoples with fairness. This is good news. And Isaac Watts wanted us to remember Jesus is coming and he will rule the world with truth and grace. This is who Jesus is. So I sing for joy because I have hope for the future. Revelation 1.7, the very end of the Bible, says, Behold, Jesus is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. But I also want you to know this. Not only is Jesus coming to rule the world, Jesus rules and reigns today. Do you know this? There was not one single person that said yes or amen. Do you know that Jesus is ruling and reigning today? Yes. Okay, thank you. Sorry I had to prompt you, but you need to know this. Jesus isn't absent. Jesus didn't leave the world and just let us go and do our own thing. Do you know that Jesus said that the kingdom of God is expanding and growing like a tree that grows rapidly until all the birds come and roost in it? The kingdom of God is growing and expanding on this planet as we're speaking right now. And Jesus is the king that's ruling the kingdom of God. Now, it's easy for us to get cynical because this world is not perfect. It's because the kingdom of God has not yet been come in its perfection. But, but as, as Christians are, are going out into the world and they're going into every nation and every tribe and they're proclaiming the name of Jesus, the kingdom of God is growing and expanding, including in America. Again, no amens or yeses. America is not lost. I've had some conversations recently with people that are really, really worried about the direction of our country. Listen, I'm worried about the direction of our country too, but I still know who's king. And Jesus is king regardless of who the president is. Jesus is the king, and this is why we sing for joy even when people are doing stupid things. Even when governments are doing stupid things. Even when Twitter is blowing up with a bunch of stupid stuff, Jesus is king and we can sing for joy. Why? Because he is my king and he's coming again and there's hope for the future. Have you lost your hope? No, no, no. Good. Thank God. If you have, it means maybe you need to start singing the song of joy. I missed this in my notes because I got so excited at the beginning. Here's the thing about joy. Joy is a choice. Singing for joy is a choice. And it doesn't become, it doesn't, you don't become joyful because of your circumstances or your surroundings. You become joyful because of what you focus on. Okay? You focus on these truths, that Jesus is the king, that he's coming again, that you've been set free from the curse and that you were created for this. You focus on those things and all of a sudden the joy begins to well up in you. It doesn't matter how you feel. You focus your head and, and then once you focus on those truths, then you sing for joy. So joy depends on how you think and it depends on what you do. You sing for joy. Zamar. Say Zamar. Zamar. You ready to sing? Yes. Stand to your feet. Come on, musicians.
joy to the world the Lord is come let earth receive her King prepare him room and let nature sing and let nature sing and heaven and heaven he rules the world Come on, somebody pray.